and welcome to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. Join us for interviews, updates and chat with artists, influencers and those that manufacture the gear that we love. I'm flying solo today. Ant's not here because he's on holiday. So I'm going to do my very best Ant impression and go, hello, welcome to 9042, the podcast from the guys behind the Guitar Show UK. Hope I did that right, Ant. So I'm sitting looking at our guest tonight and uh, I don't know how you describe him really. Musician, chef, it could be both. (laughs) So uh, a very warm welcome to CJ Wildhart. Hello, hello. Um, I, I describe myself as a wheeler and dealer. <laughs> so I've got quite a bit to talk to you about. Um, and I thought we'd go right back to the very beginning, if that's OK. Um, your guitar journey from the very start. Yes. Because um, the first time I saw you live would have been Edwards number eight with the tattooed love boys. Right. That's good. That's good. That is going back. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's going way, way back. And um, was it handsome Mick Ransom? Was that it? It was. Yes. That's the drummer. Handsome Mick Ransom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that name in a long, long, long time. <laughs> I say you, you did like, one album. Um, I, I remember the, artwork something about needles yeah bleeding bleeding hearts and needle marks the album was called yeah they they actually made two albums i only played on on the very first one and Mm. um i mean i'll always be thankful for that band because you know i signed my first record deal when i was like 18 in that band and it and it brought me to london you know, from Darkest Essex to, to London. And it put me kind of on the map a bit. It was the first time I was in like magazines like Kerrang! and Sounds and Melody Maker. And um, it also made a, a guy called Ray Zell aware <laughs> of me. Yeah, and He was the person who introduced me to Ginger. And from that day, it all went wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I, I wouldn't say it all went wrong quite a lot of it went quite right for quite a while didn't you, it? you know what um uh the, the two things um the reason why i'm talking to you today and the reason why i'm still making music today and i'm not asking you if you want fries with your burger is the tattoo love boys and the fact that i met ginger and we formed the wild hearts and we made earth versus our first album it's the reason why I'm still making music today. It's the reason why Ginger's still making music. Um, it's just that album enabled us to go on to do many, many good things. Yeah. yeah. So what was that like? Because, you know, I mean, given that I was the right age to be in that scene at the time. In fact, I actually met you, I think, when you were a tattooed love boy in the marquee. Because there used to be a, used to be a pub in Birmingham um, called the Costamongers. I remember it, yes. Yeah. And on a Saturday, it used to do a coach down to the marquee and we'd go and watch like Birmingham's hopeful sort of sleaze, glam rock, whatever you want to call it, hair metal band, which at the time would have been either Suicide Blonde or Gunfire Dance. I remember them now. Yeah, and I met you, uh, I met you backstage and you offered to make me a curry and I said no. (laughs) 
because <laughs> I've got to get back to um, Birmingham on a like midnight coach back. Um, God, they were terrible coaches as well. There were no toilets, and we'd been drinking all oh. night. And oh. the drive driver wouldn't stop anywhere. <laughs> so, so, but at that time, like, so you got the Choir Boys, the Dogs, Demore, and a load of other sort of bands. You were so so different from them, and. But you were part of that scene, weren't you? But the wild are you talking you know, the wild parts? Yeah, we, we were kind of that scene um, was very rock and roll and sleazy. Yeah. But we came from that scene. Mm. But um, uh, those bands didn't have any punk or metal or fresh in them. You know, it's they're they're very kind of rock and roll. And um, whereas the wild arts, we took bits and pieces from like lots of different scenes and you know my heart's always been kind of more punk you know I've always had that kind yeah. of punk rock thing in me and um uh it's it's um I dabbled with that glam thing for a little while but um it was only a few years but yeah it definitely wasn't for me but I'm, I'm glad I kind of put my foot in that in that pond because it's it's uh I've always had a thing about kind of looking like having an image and you know yeah. kind of going on stage and like looking like a musician you know because it's a lot but you get bands who are kind of anti-image and um i want to walk into a room and someone will look at me and go right i kind of i kind of guess what you do you know um there was a yeah. period where i looked like a footballer but you know <laughs> <laughs> i had money back then <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so you're a bit different. I remember the first time I saw you play um, was supporting the Manics, I think, at Birmingham mm. Uni. Yeah, and I've got a feeling that the two guys out of Soho Roses were in the band at the time. No, no. Um, I mean, Pat and Jules were in early incantations yeah. of the band. Um, I think we only did one gig with them when when Ginger and myself were doing the, the double vocal thing. But we had two singers before, you know. Ginger moved up to lead vocal and I moved up to that second harmony thing. Yeah. And, and that's when Pat and Jules were in the band. But when we supported the Manics, it, it was Danny and Bam Bam. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I just remember coming out of that gig and going into work the following day and going, I've just seen Metallica plays the Beatles. Or the Beatles. <laughs> it just made no sense. And it was just so, so refreshingly different at the time. And as you say, like your entire career has come from that really mm. and it's yeah. still widely regarded as one of the greatest debut albums of all time it's it's still my favorite one album you know um i love the songs on earth versus and and you know funny enough it's it's uh, it's a 30th anniversary next year of that album and um it doesn't feel like 30 years you know but um i'm well aware we're old we're getting to be old men now yeah, yeah. Well, as I got off the sofa last night and groaned, I'm fully aware <laughs> that I am an old man now. <laughs> but I suppose, sort of like, you know, I mean, I, I kind of knew all of this, but I kind of had a quick check on Wikipedia earlier today. You sort of, you, you do the Earth Versus, it starts to happen, you go in the studio and you're recording the second album and then you leave sort of like halfway through the second album recording. I um, think- I was sacked. I was sacked and... Um, uh, I did most of it. I did all of um, uh, the Fuck album and about three quarters of Fishing for Lucky. So yeah. the, the original like PHQ album was a double album. So that's what we recorded and rehearsed up. 
and um yeah yeah it went wrong um but i think it's gone wrong many times <laughs> uh, i mean you know i think you know i think there's not a wild hearts fan in the world that doesn't go well this isn't gonna last so let's just enjoy it while it does yeah. and it'll go away for a few years and then hopefully it'll come back again yeah we're, yeah, we're presently on another break yeah um, another break but you know but yeah. it kind of you know it's not all bad because you know in terms of your career you, you go from the wild hearts to honey crack yeah and i yeah. love that first first album. yes the, the second that, album that is was, just demos isn't it so. it is just demos yeah um, um that first album that's another album which changed my my whole world as well. Um, it because working the Wild Hearts, you know, yeah, we're a bombastic band. You know, Ginger's a great songwriter, and we had kind of a unique style and sound. But with Honeycrack, those guys were they're all studio heads. Mm. They're all like amazing musicians, all great singers, all great songwriters, and you could kind of hear that on the album, all the harmonies and the intricate parts. And I learned so much in, in the, you know, I don't even think it was, it was probably two years at the most. The like watching Willie work in the studio, hanging out with those guys, it, it set me off on my path to recording for myself and actually treating music like music and not like a party. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Although many people toured her Honeycrack and they said, you guys are even worse than the Wild Arts, but we were just better mannered with it. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't fight. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I loved the grip um, prior to Honeycrack. Yes, the grip, yeah. But I think that, I think it was, per- the only thing I found with the grip is it was a bit light. Yeah. You know, I had the 12 inch in the album sort of thing. But I think when, when they put you and Willie together, it kind of had all the pop harmonies, but a bit of grunt as well. Yeah, that, I think that's why it worked with with with, with me and Willie because um, I don't think he's, he's he's really worked with anyone who has my kind of raw energy since, mm. and um, it, it really brought out a, a good side. I thought in Willie, you know, yeah. because pe- people like Willie, when you're that amazing, you you have a tendency to to kind of overplay everything and overproduce everything so you, you need you need a bit of rawness you need a bit of street someone like me <laughs> <laughs> and then so you know we move from honey crack to the jellies mm. and uh i love the jellies i really did I that pop punk thing's always been like really like close to my heart so um if i if i could go back and redo the jellies i'd make them a bit harder but mm. i've always been a big descendants fan the us you know the us punk band yeah, yeah. i'm a big fan of them like since i was about probably 14 15 and and um i've always liked american punk rock and um so je- the jellies was kind of like a bit of my ode to the american sort of pop punk thing but it's it's it, again that punk rock thing's always been inside me so yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, then you go solo. Then the Wild Hearts kick up again, and then you're solo again, which I mm. suppose brings us to your uh, new album, my best of one. Yeah, your best right. of, which I'm very grateful that I saw on Facebook today. It's called Lives and Not Lives. No, uh, it's as in past lives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, so talk me through the, the the creation of the new album. Right. Um... I've never even thought I warranted a best of album. I mean, normally best of albums are kind of bands who've had lots and lots of hits and their um, best of albums tend to be an exercise in just um, laziness and, and easy money because it's, it's just a compilation. Grab, 
yeah, yeah. it's a compilation they might put one new song in there or an acoustic version of an old song and there'll be some liner notes from the singer and the bass player and then they'll just print it out stick it out there and they get people to buy the same songs again just in a different package or format and I just couldn't do that so when I thought of this I thought right what I'm going to do is pick 2021 songs all the newer stuff which has Jason Bold drumming on it already and he's played on my last four albums um, I will remix and anything old I'll re-record and get Jason to play drums on it and that way you've got a whole album kind of it just sounds you know like an album rather than a compilation tape. And I'm also given value for money as well because nothing has been lifted as it was and just put onto, you know, yeah. an album, put onto a CD. It is all brand new. It's been approached with a, like, like it's a, a volume of music, not a compilation tape. And, and that's why, I, you know, I put this album out. If it was, if it was just going to be a comp, you know, compiled from all my old, albums it wouldn't have seen a light of day i can't i can't do that and i can't go down that remastering stuff because again you're getting people to buy the same songs you know yeah, yeah. i i think it's really interesting I, you know I've, obviously you can see that i've got the album and i was listening mm-hmm. to it uh this morning before uh chatting to you today and i and take like a jelly song like lemonade girl and, and you've kind of, is that how you would go back and do the jellies now because it's tougher yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, and even like the Honeycrack stuff on there is a lot more punk. Yeah, sounding because there's always that there was always that punk element to Honeycrack, but it for me it was it was watered down by the Beatles sort of influences coming in, and that's definitely Willie's. Yeah, yeah. stance. Yeah, Honey Honeycrack kind of I can't listen to the Beatles anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did see one of your posts that said you didn't like the Beatles and you were sorry about that. <laughs> um, I, I like elements of the Beatles. Um, I just don't listen to them, and I'm, I'm not a I'm not a fan. But you know, I like the stuff people love mm. about the Beatles. But I just I wouldn't listen to them. No, I mean, um, it's just not. You know, it's not my cup of tea. I like. I mean, I like the Who. I think the Who. <laughs> yeah, they kind of. Um, for for me, the Who were a lot more. Um, uh, yeah, what's the word? I mean, they. I I thought the Who molded the whole shape of rock, and and what what mm. what Townsend did with keyboards was revolutionary. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, um, to going back to Jason, I used to work with Jason. We both, okay. used, yeah, we well, both a little. Used... <laughs> no, I think you get paid better at little. Um, <laughs> we both used to teach at BIM Bristol. All oh, right, I had no idea. No, I had yeah. no idea, Jason. You know, Jace, he's like, he is one of the greatest greatest drummers out there and and the fact that he actually wants to play on my stuff i mean he's just he he says i i i um i push him when he does my stuff because of how punk it is and it's not a style he naturally plays and i get him to do like double like snares which he would never do can you imagine like bullet having double snares and there's tons of rolls on the snares and and which he doesn't naturally do and um he, he likes it. He likes that. Um, he loves my songs and he likes that my style is is slightly different to what he would, would normally play. And I, I take that as an honour, like a, it's a such an honour having someone with his like, you know, standard who wants to play my music. It's amazing. Oh, he's a phenomenal drummer. He's a really, mm. really loud drummer as well. Yes. Yes. Yeah. The, I used to teach, so I was teaching, um, unsurprisingly, event management, um, 
downstairs and Jason was above me in the drum room teaching drums upstairs. And all I could hear for the hour and a half lecture that I was delivering was just this like thud, 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 thud. <laughs> and, and I went upstairs to, to like, like, mate, can you just turn it in? And all the students are on Roland V drum kits. Right. Jason's got this massive acoustic kit. And it's just like <laughs> flailing away. <laughs> I mean, he's an animal. I mean, um, and the fact that he drums barefoot as well, he doesn't wear shoes when he drums. It's 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 insane. But no, I mean it's it's he he enabled me also because um I've been used to I've been used to working with like straight punk drummers or straight rock drummers. Mm. Um because of Jace's style, I can do faster stuff and I can add a bit like more metal to some of my stuff and that mm. double bass drum thing he does, which is amazing. And, you know, I've got a song called Fubar, which I would never have been able to record with any other drummer I've ever worked with because yeah. they just don't, wouldn't be able to play that song. And, um, you know, it, it's great. He's, he's enabled me to like explore stuff I would never have explored. So, yeah, I can take my hat off to Jace every time. Yeah. So who's going to drum on the uh, forthcoming tour? I've got a, a guy called Craig McKay. He's, he's, he's a, I don't know what he is. He's a, he's a fine artist and an amazing tattoo artist. And he's based down in Shrewsbury, but um, he's also a metal drummer. And he, he, uh, he's, a, he's fav- one of his favorite bands are the Wild Hearts. And he approached me saying, I can actually um, play like, like Jace. And he's one of my favorite drummers. And then he sent me um, like a, an album of one of his past bands and it's awful yeah you can play man (laughs) you can play so it's great having a a drummer who can you know mimic jace and it also means like um, when i tour you know uh this month i can put some of the heavier stuff in there and some of the faster stuff which i couldn't play on the last time i played played solo i couldn't do it so So we should talk about this forthcoming tour i'm quite excited um i've dubbed it the wild heart three tour Yeah. So it's Scott Sorry, it's Grand Theft Audio and yourself. Mm. And mm. it's seemingly you announced this card about six months ago, I think. It, it was about, like. I think it was, but no, it was, it was, yeah, it could be. It was, I mean, well, actually, it was back in March, I think we announced it. March. So it will so, be yeah. six months. Well, yeah. Six months, yeah. yeah. So, so, so um, how did that come about? Um, I, I was. I said to my manager that I wanted to do a handful of dates when the Best Of album came out. And, you know, I haven't done any shows in over five years and it was only going to be a handful of shows. And then he said, um, Scott would like to tour as well. And I said, well, why don't we tour together? And he said, yeah, we'll get a third band on. And I said, well, Richie's got an album coming out and I know he's doing some shows. So it's oh, that's a really good idea. So we that's how it came about. And it's it, it, on paper, it's a really, really sound and solid idea. Um, I'll be honest with you, uh, quite a few bands are postponing tours um, this autumn. And there's a reason why, because there's a crisis going on and people haven't got ready cash. Yeah. yeah. You know, and uh, I mean, literally my my energy bill trebled yesterday. And I'm like, Jesus, you know, and I'm, you know, I live on my own, you know, I have my seven-year-old son, I co-parent, but I live on my own in my two-bedroom flat and, you know, my, my, my energy bill trebled and, and, you know, it's just like, well, the first thing you're not going to do is eat in restaurants or go to the theatre or go to gigs or go to, you know, the cinema. And, and so it's nice to be considered a luxury, but yeah, all tours are kind of (laughs) (laughs) at the moment, but 
um, I couldn't postpone this. I couldn't cancel it. I, I, you know, I pressed the green button and we're going ahead. We're steaming ahead. And, you know, as I said um, before we started the interview, it's amazing that Scott and Richie are joining me on this tour. You know, they're like my brothers. We haven't toured together in years. And all three bands are on a tour bus as well. So, all you of know, you on one tour bus? On tour, one tour bus, one big double decker. So it's going to be great. Really good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so what's the running order for these gigs is it the same every night or do you kind of move it around no it's the same every night i close um i close scott in the middle richie's band on first and then um myself scott and richie will come on and do an encore and we'll, we'll knock out like three wild art songs oh amazing should be great we'll, we'll have like some of some members from the other bands as well we won't play as a free piece because we kind of need that you need the dynamic and you need the yeah, vocals yeah, yeah. so but it, um, yeah, the nucleus of the of the encore band will be myself, Scott, and Richie. So it'd be brilliant. It's quite, it's quite a few dates as well, isn't it? It's what is it about yeah, ten turned out, I only wanted to do about five, and it's tended <laughs> to twelve. Shows. <laughs> <laughs> so, is, is, that, um, is that Gav's fault? Yeah, and promoters' faults, but I think they're a bit off a bit. I mean, they didn't really um, preempt what's happening in the world at the moment and i did <laughs> um I, one thing i always do is, is is i um because i've always worked as a as a musician i'm working as a like a solo artist where you know my solo albums i record most of the parts myself and mm. the only other musician in normally comes in is jace and i record on my own and my home set up and when i take everything to a studio and i work with dave drake and we mix together um, but uh, I do so much on my own that it enables me to make a living. Yeah. You know, if I start bringing in other people and I have to pay other people, then I start losing money. So I'm so used to working on my own, you know, with the hot sauce and with my, 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 my albums or solo albums um, that it's really hard for me to come out of this bubble. And yeah. um, what I'm doing is coming out of this soul trader bubble and going out on tour and yeah there's a reason why it's been five years (laughs) have you kind of struggled i just think that if you if you've laid down let's just say there's probably four guitar parts minimum on on each Mm. album Mm. uh, and you've played them all Mm. but, but all of a sudden you've got to stand up and you've got to sing them as well and another guitarist has got to take half of the guitar work away have you kind of struggled to go Oh, I'll play this bit. No, I'll play that bit. Oh, I don't know. Not, not at all. I've got two other guitarists. Oh, wow. So I've got um, Ben Marsden, who's going to take care of all the solos because I don't want to play <laughs> solos. <laughs> and then I've got Dave Norris, who's going to do all the melodic guitar. And then I'm just going to do most of the rhythm and just really, really hone, hone down on, on the vocals. Because um, when I toured last time solo, I was just it was too much like doing all the melodic bits lead solo singing it just i didn't enjoy it um mm. so i really want to just you know singing is, is is something i really love and i really just want to really push the fact that you know i'm fronting the band and the lead vocalist and it's great having the two guitars i don't need um the last time i thought i had backing tracks and i didn't want to use them this time so no it's always a bit you know. odd isn't it backing tracks it's um there's too much that can go wrong and then if 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 the backing tracks do go down and you and you're relying on them you, you it's it's really scary <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah, yeah we're, we're we're rehearsed up not to have backing tracks and yeah there's five people in the band including myself so 
So yeah. what, what band was Ben in? I recognise the name. Right. Ben played in in the Main Grains with Danny. Danny had a band called the Main Grains. But he yeah. also plays, he plays with Warner Hodges, the Warner Hodges band. Yeah. You know, yeah. Warner, Warner Hodges from um, uh, Jason and the Scorchers. And um, he plays with a, another American artist called Ryan Hamilton as well. So, um, you know, he, he's, 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 he's always busy, Ben. He's always busy. I got offered some shows in... October, but I can't do it because the other guys in the band are all off out <laughs> doing <laughs> stuff. So, you posted on Facebook that you would start looking for another band to next sort of year. join yeah. next year. I am. Yeah, I mean, contrary to popular belief, the Wild Hearts were on wages for about, I don't know, three, four years, and we were on a good wage, and we are all on wages throughout lockdown. Yeah. from the band's company and um uh i you know i don't know how i mean i started getting people asking telling me oh we've heard that you, you guys are really struggling during lockdown we can get you grants and that and i said oh, we've been on wages constantly through lockdown and and mm. we're on wages for the foreseeable and you know um wages stopped this year and the, the band is is basically you know our, our company's folding our management you know they won't be working with the band we're not we're not uh a viable like you know yeah we just we're not a band at the moment so there's nothing to manage there's nothing to put out there's no gigs we've cancelled so many shows this year and I, I it kind of it's kind of got to the point now where um you know i can't it's really hard for me to be in at my age being a band like wild arts which keeps on stopping there's yeah. no security there and, and you know one minute we had a great company we put out really two really good albums we're all on a way just could have carried on for a long time the next thing we all fall out and it's you know it's all gone wrong again so i need to find something steady and something um i don't earn enough from being a solo artist and from doing my hot sauce there's a wage missing now and i need to fill that gap yeah and I don't care how I fill that gap because all I care about is supporting my son, supporting my, you know, I have a partner, you know, he's moving up here at Christmas. And I, you know, I just want to bring home the bacon. And, and you know, if that's, if I bring home the bacon by joining another band, that's wonderful. But if I bring home the bacon by getting the day job, that's just as cool for me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not one of those jaded old rockers who thinks he's John Bon Jovi, you know. That's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it, so sort of, um... I'm assuming you'd be looking to join some kind of punk band then. Um, I, I, um, I'm, I'm not actually looking at the moment, but I'm, I'm open. I'm open. I mean, I'm, when I, I've made gentle noises that I am going to be looking for a band to join, and I've, I've, had, I've had people approach me, but what they don't understand is this is how I've earned my, my, my living. This is how I've earned my living since I was about 18. Yeah. And I've only ever had a couple of day jobs for a few months ever i've always earned and so if people are oh why don't you come and jam or you know we don't do this it might be fun you're talking to the wrong person i don't do this because i want to jam or it could be fun i do this because it's my job and if i don't get paid i don't play and it's that simple you know you wouldn't go up to any professional musician you go why don't you come and jam no it might be fun (laughs) they'll look at you and go all right um, go talk to my manager he'll tell you how much I charge yeah. <laughs> so I've been I've been I tell you what I did the other day I played on a track do you remember a band called um One Minute Silence I do yeah well Massimo their guitarist is doing a solo album and I played and sang on one, one of the tracks on his 
solo album, which is really good, you know. Yeah. But he's a professional musician. He's well aware that I have a fee. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, I will start looking for, for hopefully a working band. But, you know, um, I think I draw the line at tribute bands. Yeah. 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 You won't <laughs> see me in a wig playing on my knees pretending I'm Slash. <laughs> You had the hair for it with the tattooed love voice, though. Yeah, I'm about a foot taller than <laughs> uh, Because it's a, uh, a guitar podcast, we should talk about your gear, really, uh, <laughs> and what you're taking out. Um, you can probably see behind me, I've got a uh, Lucy on the wall. Yes, I see. I, I, was, I was going to recognise that guitar from somewhere. And, and she's such a beautiful guitar, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, so are you taking out Lucy? um and mabel and mabel so my mabel's the epiphone 335 yeah, that's had... my 120 pound epiphone that, that's had more love slung at it than any other 120 pound guitar in the entire history of the guitars i think yeah so it's had pyrography o- yes. over it hasn't it yeah so and, and now it's got well it's got the, the your devil spit source logo on it yeah some skulls and some other things so how, how did that come about Right, and um, that, that how I got Mabel was um, BA lost uh, our gear when we were touring in Japan a few years ago, so they lost Lucy. So um, the promoters hired me in a vintage three three five, and they loved it. And I said I'd like to buy it, and they said it's eight thousand pounds. And I just told them to do one. <laughs> there isn't a guitar in the world worth that sort of money. It just isn't, <laughs> and um, that's almost car money. And um, oh, I'd rather have a car. Yeah, and I, I've never been um, I'm not that fussed about guitars. I have the guitars I use. There's a reason why I've had my Lucille and my Les Paul for since like 1990, 91. I've kept mm. them, and I use. I always use Lucy um, because it, it's, I don't want hundreds of guitars. I have a guitar that is amazing, and why would I want to use any other guitar? So I have about six guitars, and they all get used. Yeah, and and. Um, so eight grand for the, the 335, and I said, no. So I went the complete opposite. I got the cheapest piece of crap I could find. I found this Epiphone. Guy wanted 120 because he was going on holiday and he wanted some beer money. It turned up at the studio, and we opened it, and they all went, God, that's a really nice little guitar. Even if it doesn't play well, you can just put it on the wall. Yeah. So I, I got it set up. I got some bare knuckle pickups dropped into it, mm-hmm. and I, I got it filled with acoustic padding. And it's just the most amazing guitar. It's incredible. It, it, it probably plays better than any of my guitars and it stays in tune better than them. And it's just amazing. And then Cy Easton at Wood, um, Wood Tattoos, he did all the biography on it. And it looks like a weapon now or something, you know, the devil might give you as a gift. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. All so, yeah. from 120 guitar, you know, 125 guitar. Yeah. Thing is, I've always thought about those Epiphone because I used to gig with two of them, a red and a black one, mm. and uh, and they're pressed maple basically. You know, they're put in a press, it's pressed, and that's the shape of them. And so they can't be any different to a Gibson version because they're going through the same sort of process. Yeah, yeah. The only, the only thing, I've, like you, I changed, but bare knuckle weren't in existence back then. I changed and put Seymour Duncan's in mine. And I changed to put GraphTech saddles on it because I kept breaking strings all the time. But I gigged those for years. I thought they were really good guitars. But you get you get um you get guitar snobs, don't you? Who look down on on um, 
you know, people using stuff like Epiphone and that. And uh, I, I, I did it. I was trying to prove a point, you know, that I just, there's no way I'd ever pay that sort of money for any guitar. And, and so going really cheap. But I was, I've been really surprised at how good this guitar is. And, <laughs> but I've been told by people who buy cheaper guitars that um, you get lucky ones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One will get through. And, and um, I know friends who have three, three fives and they've played my Epiphone and they go, it's a better guitar than their Gibson. Well, I, yeah. I had a, a Lucille. I had a, a, a black Lucille that I got for my 50th birthday. And, um, and it sounded amazing and it played well, but it was, it was, it was heavier than the sun. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get used to how light that, that Epiphone is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I, I, in the end i just had to and, and i'm not i'm not a small human being either mm. uh, and it was just like this is just too heavy so um in the end i had to chop it in and uh, bought a hollow gretch that's considerably lighter uh, well, i tell you um uh, whoever picks up like lucy the first thing they say is like jesus they weren't expecting it to be that that heavy because mm. they, they thought the whole thing was just a hollow body and, and um and then they go how do you jump so high with that yeah <laughs> guitar. yeah so um uh, you can definitely jump higher with the epiphone <laughs> you're not so weighted down yeah you see you're still young enough to be able to jump high on stage right I'm, i i i i tour starts a week today i've been dieting and exercising quite for about two weeks now two three weeks just to get ready for this tour and you know i'm 55 in december and um i never wanted to be one of those unhealthy older guys who just can't really move on stage and, and stuff but um i've never had to prepare so much for a tour in my life so you know the, the years are catching up but um i don't drink i don't do drugs i don't smoke i don't drink caffeine you know i'm so straight edge now and i couldn't imagine going on tour getting pissed and wrecked every night i just wouldn't be able to do it that's just a young man's game isn't it it is a young man game game but unfortunately i'm surrounded by lots of old men who think they're young (laughs) (laughs) uh so um are you taking out the marshall is it jmp 100 yeah yeah j jmp 100h because i do a few different heads yeah Mm. um I um I used to have two uh, hundred watt JMP master volume seventy two or maybe seventy three heads, mm. and someone has them. And I don't know who has them because I moved to Japan and I started using Mesabugi and I don't know where all my old vintage Marshalls are, but they're worth a lot of money now. And um, someone's pinched them, uh, you know, swings and roundabouts. I'm fortunate that uh, the last time I actually spent my own money on a guitar was £120. Every- <laughs> <laughs> the last time I actually bought a guitar with my own money before that was 1989. Wow. Uh, and um, I've never physically ever bought an amp. They've all been given to me or bought for me. So um, uh, Nice. If you don't actually pay for something, it doesn't really belong to you, does it? No, uh, not uh, really. It's, it's, well, it's, the, it's the joys of being in, a, in, well, we created an illusion that we were rock stars that people gave us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but the entire music industry is only built on smoke and mirrors anyway. It is. Yeah. 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 But um, uh, I was lucky enough that, you know, also back, back then, everyone was giving you stuff. I had a, an endorsement deal with Gibson and I didn't actually own a guitar. 
So um, they couldn't believe it. So I signed in, I didn't earn a guitar. So they used to lend me guitars all the time. And then when, when the Wild Arts signed to Warner Brothers, I was given a thousand pounds to go and buy a guitar because I didn't own one. So I went to Gibson, I went, oh, I've got a thousand pounds. And they, they just loved that I didn't own a guitar. So they sold me an Epiphone acoustic, which I still have, a junior, Les Paul mm. Junior, and my black Les Paul for like, it was about 800 quid. Jesus. Yeah. Because they, they said, oh, keep the other 200 and take yourself, go out for dinner. <laughs> but they just thought it was great. I, I, you know, I had to deal with them and I don't, didn't own a guitar. So, um, and then and then my Lucy was bought for me as well. So, um, yeah. Ah. That's why I don't spend money on guitars. <laughs> <laughs> You've never had to. Um, no. Unlike me with the uh, collection behind me, I've had to pay for all of those. <laughs> yeah. So I've got, I've got, I've got my two martial amps, but they're renamed. One's called Mbongo and the other one's called Brown Sound. And um, uh, I name everything. <laughs> well, yeah, because I've got written down Greta, which is the name of the Les Paul, isn't it? But I couldn't yes. find the name for the Hagstrom. Uh, it's called the Hag. Ah, obviously. Yeah, just the Hag. Yeah. But, you know, they're, they're, all, they're all named after older ladies. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, you, right, this is the God's honest truth, right? Um, I went into my, my locker and I went, oh, there's all my wireless packs. So I'm taking them to the studio because I don't know how to set them up. <laughs> <laughs> I've never set them up. I've always <laughs> had guitar techs yeah. with me. So I, I don't know what to I looked at it and I went, I haven't got a clue what, what to do. So Ben, Ben, my other guitarist, knows how my gear is set up. So I'm going to take him with me and I go, can you just sort this stuff out for me <laughs> just hand but, me the um, bit i need to clip onto my belt just, i just need to make sure it's all working and i, I don't know the first thing to do and, and um kind of yeah, i can get a guitar sound out of any amp and any guitar but when it starts getting a bit more technical i'm a bit lost and i don't use effect pedals either i just use a lead and an amp yeah so um i'm a bit old school like that but um I, you know. I always figured that there was just too much running around for a lot of pedals to be honest <laughs> It, it, I, I, and I have a lot of friends who use pedals and they're always like tap dancing, mm. you know, and, and I use a lot of effects in the studio, but when it comes to live, I want it as simple as possible and I want the least amount of stuff to go wrong. So when, you, yeah. when you're recording at home and you say you, you use a lot of stuff, are you, are you recording the guitar in the box? So are you using guitar rig or, or something? Yes, similar? amplitude. amplitude. I use amplitude. I use Amplitude for all my guitars. I use um, the Soldano Slow 100 mm. um, amp in Amplitude. I've used, I've used that since I've started making like solo albums. And then for bass, I use um, the Ampeg SVT like guitar. I use three channels of bass, three different amps, kind of stacked. And so I get that gritty. <laughs> Obviously, that's what you need. Three, three lots of bass. Yes, three lots. One, one's clean, one's really dirty, and one's a bit dirty. And, and right. you mix them together. And then I've got a 45 pound square position, which is the only bass I've ever used. And, and a lot of people ask me how I get my bass tone, but that's what I use a, P, a square position. It cost me 45, actually 42 quid. It cost me. Wow. And, yeah. So, what, yeah. what are you recording into? Is it Logic? Cubase. Cubase. Oh, yeah, Cubase. And Dave Draper, he, who I mix with, he uses Cubase as well. So, everything just goes. Yeah. It's what I learned on, you know, I was given a, a Cubase like uh, program and that's what I learned to record on. And I've never really, I mean, I, it's not really what you record on, it's what you're recording in it. Yeah. I mean, they all fundamentally yeah. do exactly the same thing. They do. You, yeah. You just, yeah. You know, I moved from Cubase 
because I got given a copy of Cubase, which is why I started using it. Yeah. And then I, uh, I moved to Logic because the old version of Cubase needed updating and I was kind of using GarageBand and Logic yeah. just an extension of that anyway. Um, and it's just going, where is it? Where is it? Because they're, they're called something slightly different. Yeah, yes. Like, yeah. Yeah, you know. but you get um you get Pro Tool snobs as well, don't you? Yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah. And I I, I I say to them, it's not what you're recording on; it's what you're recording. You know, and um, you know, it's 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 um what I love about the modern age is how easy it, if you know how to do it, it is to put your music down and get it down. And I love younger musicians; they're so tech savvy, aren't they, with everything? I think you know, it's brilliant. Oh, it's just you know, I've still got my original four track that I have. yeah. Uh, and uh, I haven't thrown it out because I've got like a stat of like a huge pile of cassettes where all of the ideas that I wrote kind of went down on the four track sort of thing, and I've got no other way of playing them other than right. four track. I'm, I'm I'm not a hoarder, so um, if I'm not using something, it goes. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't. Um, it's like books. If I read a book, I never keep it; it goes to someone else. And where my girlfriend, she's got so many books, and oh, um, see, I love. Yeah. Well, as you can see behind me, I yeah. Look. see because if i'm not going to ever read it again i want someone else to have it, read it you've got to spread the love share <laughs> yeah I, 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 I get that but i also yeah. like i like them so i do you like do you like like licking them like kissing yeah. them and like rubbing them yeah, yeah usually yeah but actually they're, re <laughs> they're really good in this room that i'm in because they prefer they perform you know the sound disruption kind of thing that's yes yeah I never thought about that. I, I actually, I've got, a, I've got a huge collection of porno mags, jazz mags. <laughs> I might line my walls with them. Yeah, do that. <laughs> um, so I, I've only got um, sort of one more thing, really. I wanted to talk to you about, which we devil spit, which we've mentioned, um, which blew my mind when I had some. It was the hottest sauce I'd ever eaten. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how did that? come about um okay, devil spit's like like my baby it's my my um, i mean i love it i love hot sauce um it's based on my mom's hot sauce recipe because my my mom always used to make her own hot sauce and ever since i was a baby i've always seen her putting either chili or hot sauce on everything she eats she's on the seychelles my dad's indian but he's from british guyana which is part of the west indies so mm curries and sauces and spice it's massive in my family so i grew up you know uh, by the time i think i was probably about eight i was putting hot sauce on everything as well just like my mom <laughs> so i had a chance uh, where i had an album called mabel and a, a local hot sauce company said um would you like to make a signature hot sauce and i said yes but it has to be my recipe it'll be based on my mom's recipe and they said fine come down and we'll cook up a sauce and that's how we we came up with the original devil spit and now it's i've got about maybe seven or eight different types of sauces and it's just gone on from there i mean it's i don't sell it often i sell it twice a year i have my shop open for about 10 dates a pop yeah so it's a, probably the hardest hot sauce to get hold of but um people love it and i think if i wasn't making music i'd let the hot sauce take over my life and it could be something i could probably do full time if if I wasn't, you know, if I didn't want to be a punk rocker. 
<laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. I did. Um, I went for a curry with you know Bumblefoot that was in Guns and Roses. And, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know him personally, but I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he, he came and did my guitar show, and we went for a curry mm. on the night. And um, and you know we're in Birmingham, so we're going to go for a curry. And uh, so he has a really hot. And then he brings out his own bumblefucked hot sauce and puts yeah. that on top of the curry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I used to walk with a, uh, it was like a little bullet thing with a screw on top. I used to keep um, Carolina Reaper powder in there. And Reapers are like one of the hottest chilies in the world. And whenever I was in an in Indian restaurant, I used to be like this and just poke it. And people would see me doing it. Go, what are you doing? I'm adding my own like hotness because like, this is a vindaloo and i went yeah but i want to take it up a few notches so they'd see me doing it and then they'd start going, oh, have you got your little bullet like, yeah yeah i like i'll show you one quickly oh what's this uh i got this it's like um have you seen the one 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 chip challenge no it's one like kind of dorito chip which is just, I think it's just slathered in the hottest, like, spice, as hot as chili you can get. And you're supposed to just pop it in your mouth and eat it in one go. Right. And I'm taking it on tour with me. So, um, yeah, I'm either going to do it or someone will do it and I'll film it because I'm making a tour movie on this tour and recording a live album. And so we're getting three of the shows recorded by a film crew and there's going to be two of them recorded audio as well. So... We're going to have some because we don't all do drugs and get drunk anymore. We've got to figure other ways to make us look like crazy idiots. <laughs> <laughs> like, one of these things. Brilliant. So, yeah. so I assume next year, because you, you, you've talked about the split album next yes. year, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is half pop punk, half hardcore, hardcore. punk. Yeah. Um, and then there will be the live album and, and DVD. The tour movie. Yeah. 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 And then, and a few more hot sauce sales, and then hopefully I'll I'll um, join Europe or some, or some yeah. other band. <laughs> I can't quite see you in Europe. It, it wouldn't work. It, no, it, it wouldn't work. Someone would end up dead. Yeah, <laughs> and it won't be me, will it, Joey? <laughs> <laughs> it's been a real pleasure to talk to you. Thank um, you. I'd, I'd Thank like you. to wish you loads of luck for the tour. Um, Brilliant. I'm really I'm really looking forward to seeing all three of you. Oh, it's gonna it's time. gonna be so much fun, man! Are you, are you, I take it you're coming to the Birmingham show, yeah? Yeah, so it's September the twentieth, I think. I have no yeah. idea. Well, you know, you get on a tour bus and you just go with the flow. It'll be yeah. Richie's hometown-ish sort of yes. show. Yeah. Oh, how, you said you knew you know Richie. How do you know him? Just yeah. Well, uh, so a long time ago, I used to work um, for the NEC, and. I, I used to do this music event for the NEC. Yes, that's, that's why I know. That's that's why I, I know you. Yeah, because Richie was Richie's done it a few times. So yeah, wasn't did... Ginge supposed to do it? Like at some point. Oh uh, well, uh, yeah. So Rich did the the NEC show. Did it twice at drum clinics for me. Mm. Uh, it was really funny because uh, the first year I had to really really persuade him to do it. By the end of the first yeah he was like, "Can I do it again next year?" <laughs> this is amazing. And <laughs> uh, um, so I got. Grand Theft Audio to reform and play at the oh, show because it wasn't my money so I could spend the NEC's money to get them to do something I wanted to watch basically. Right. Oh, that's um, great. Uh, so yeah and then Ginger was supposed to do the guitar show uh, this year with me but unfortunately got COVID the week of the guitar show. Mm. Um, so yeah he was going to play with the Sinners 
Uh, because Neil um, Iverson is one of my exhibitors at the guitar show with his own brand. Does of he, guitar. he make he makes guitars, doesn't he? Yeah, beautiful, yeah. absolutely. Beautiful. Yeah, I've only I've only um, uh, you know how I feel about guitars. <laughs> <laughs> I would never buy one of them. I, I bet I bet they're like two thousand pound or something. I think you might find them more like three. Oh, you're a mug, seriously. If you spend that sort of money on a guitar, you're an idiot. You can't, you're, you're just you're an idiot. <laughs> There's much better things you can buy for £3,000 than a piece of wood with some strings on it. <laughs> but, uh, much yeah. better things. <laughs> I, I've, I've known Gav for quite a while as well. You manage oh, Gav's great, yeah. Yeah, yeah he, he's really good. I mean, he, 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 um, I, I always need, um, I need someone to take care of kind of the, um, like the websites and booking shows and stuff like that yeah. and sorting the money out because I just, I just can't do too much. I'm so busy all the time that if I didn't have Gav, I think I'd have a nervous breakdown. You know, it's, um, I just never stop working. And, and, uh, but it's the only way, it's the only way you can survive being like uh, the type of artist I am. I don't have yeah. a rate label or anything, you know, so. It's one of the things that we teach when we're lecturing at BIM um, is, you know, these days, if you want to be an artist and a, a, a professional artist, it, it's about having a portfolio career. And it's not, you know, you're not going to earn millions anymore. You know, mm. I know it, I know Adele does and Ed Sheeran does and blah, blah, blah. But the vast majority don't. And it's about having something else to do as yeah. well. You need, you need, um, like I said, as a wheeler and dealer, it's all different streams coming in. And um, one of my streams is run dry. So, you know, I have to, I'm looking, I'm looking around. I've been offered some unusual jobs as well. Um, I got offered a, a merch job, being a merch man. But I can't go on tour with bands who know the Wild Hearts because the fans have come up and talked to me on the merch. Yeah. But the money's amazing. And then I've been offered... Um, stuff with like the Alzheimer's Society and my dad's old home because both my mum and dad uh, had well my dad had Alzheimer's he passed them mate. my mum has Alzheimer's as well but um his old home offered me a job as well so um I, I part of me think oh career change you know maybe do something um for the soul have you, you thought know? about lecturing what who like unruly children no <laughs> no I mean you know um you know I'm, you know I work for BIM and we yeah. We lecture in, we do lectures in all kinds of things. You know, we, we've got a music business degree. We've got event management degree. We've got performance degrees and stuff like that. I, uh, I tell you what I'd be good at, what not to do. Yeah, well, quite lecture. frankly, they need yeah. that kind of advice. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's um, I did a, uh, I did a, uh, some lecturing at Harrogate College when I first moved to Yorkshire. And um, but basically it was, um, it was the film and art sort of department. And yeah. um, one of the, some of the, the students designed T-shirts. A bunch of the students made a video for me and the other ones were doing like adverts and marketing and stuff like that. It was, it was um, horrible. <laughs> <laughs> when you're talking to Jason, ask him about it. Because, you know, I mean, he did it for quite a few years. In fact, the reason yeah. why I started doing it, is I'd, I'd booked this is menace which jason played yes yeah great man yeah. and yeah. it was mark clayden from pitch shifter who was the, yeah. the bass player and he was the principal of bim bristol oh, right, right. And, and he just called me up and he went you ever done any lecturing and i went no and he said you ever thought about being a lecturer 
No. Do you want to come <laughs> and have lunch? All right, then. <laughs> uh, um, uh, I'll put that on the back burner. <laughs> <laughs> I am, um, you know, uh, the reason, one of the reasons why I don't sell my hot sauce all the time, because it takes over my life when I do sell it. Yeah. So a lot of people are, are saying, why don't you just do the hot sauce thing, you know, full time? And um, um, so it, it's, I'd love to, I mean, it's, it's, my hot sauce is cool, you know, it's just something really cool about my hot sauce. And, and I, I, I kind of, if I wasn't doing music, I'd love to be doing something with food. Yeah. You know, but, I mean, full time. It, yeah. I mean, there's, I suppose there's a chance that you could kind of push it and push it and you start actually getting into supermarkets and so on. It'll, I don't think, I don't think I'd be able to get into supermarkets, but I think I'll be able to, if I did it full time, I'll be doing all the chili fairs and stuff like that. There's too yeah. much um, satanic, this is very but, true it is quite and satanic. supermarkets super, supermarkets just people are still scared of the devil you know yeah. it's really weird I, I mean i've tried to get it in places up here and they're like no we can't have this they're just too christian and too straight and too conservative up there and and then when they turn it around and it, you know one of the warnings says caution this hot sauce might make you bleed from the anus <laughs> yes, oh my God. <laughs> you know you know suitable for gimps and goats and lubrication and sex parties and <laughs> devil worship you can't people you'd like to think people have become more liberal and but they're not people are, are still really like tight you know people still frown upon tattoos and stuff like that you know what i mean it's just uh, i do I, my, my office not here i'm at home now but my office that i work out of is in the back of my mate's tattoo studio so right. yeah. it's um the the looks you get when you're opening the doors up in the morning and sort of going in you, just think, you know it's, it's, it's you know it's probably the most successful shop if you like in the area where we are yeah yeah it's just it, 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 it amazes me um how snobbish and how conservative people are even people who think they're like really liberal people who think they're like you know free they 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 still have hang-ups about you know other people other creeds other colors and, and it really does my head in you know it, but the world's never going to be one big love fest it's just we're not programmed we're not we're not it's not no. in our dna to be like that so you know, um, unfortunately, this is the world we live in, and it seems to be getting worse at the moment. Yeah, it really does, uh, which is yeah. a terrible way to end a podcast. But <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. I'm going to go and get some therapy now. Thank you very much, Jason. No, yeah. thank you. It was great. <laughs> I, I will see you in Birmingham. Excellent, excellent, and uh, good luck. Thank you very much. Come up and say hi as well. Yeah, I'll, 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 I'll yeah. try and get backstage because I know Rich. So yeah, awesome. you, 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 you'll see us. We'll be doing lines of coke up the table. Oh no, sorry, <laughs> no. We'll, be, we'll be drinking decaf coffee and praying to Jesus yeah. uh, and, and eating <laughs> stupid crisps. <laughs> yeah, couscous. <laughs> Take care, man. All right, see ya. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, my work here is done. Because if you think you're a reluctant podcaster, then think again. <laughs> that was superb. Oh, I'm not sure it was superb. I haven't listened to it back yet. So oh, well, I have. It was I very good. Know. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Oh, I really enjoyed the conversation. I thought CJ was a top fella. I mean, he was. I've been a, I have been a big fan for a very long time. So it was quite nice to get to talk to him. Yeah, and I knew very little about him and really enjoyed the conversation. He came over really, really well. I don't know what he was clanking away on the Zoom call in the background because he kept clanking around on something. Um, um, and apologies um, 
we only have the Zoom audio. CJ wasn't really a a kind of a, a techno person, was he? Uh, I don't know. He's managed to record all of his albums at home. I think he's uh, he's set up, but there we go. They have a bit of a blind spot when it comes to podcasting. <laughs> yeah. Casting, casting, podcasting even. <laughs> but no, it was great. I thought it was, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was a great yeah. conversation. And uh, and when this goes out, which is Tuesday morning. Well, like tomorrow. Tomorrow. Um, I'm going to see him tomorrow night. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, dear. Oh, wait, I feel like we should have waited and, and for an extra day and then you could have given a, a gig review as well. <laughs> I'm sure it would be very good. Um, we must thank our friends at Focusrite. Yeah, cheers, Focusrite. Uh, the lovely chaps that they are. Um, they've not done anything for me for this episode, but they've done a lot for you uh, in terms of your <laughs> recording through a Scarlet to i too. I am indeed. It's blinking yes. away as I speak. It's blinking away. Um, thank you as well, by the way, um, for saying I had a radio voice. <laughs> you have. <laughs> um, which I don't know. I don't think that's in the recording, but it's definitely in the outtakes. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. This is the bit where I tried to do an impression of you at the start in. Uh, yes, yes, I thought that was great. I thought that was really good. You uh, before you start the conversation, because obviously um, Jay sent me the um, the files, and I get all the bit of patter. Um, in fact, the bits of patter before you start a podcast recording are normally the best bits, actually. <laughs> so I got the patter beforehand, and and I and you described me as somebody who had a, a radio voice. Well, that's very nice of me, isn't it? It's very, it's very nice of you. Very nice of you. Which means that I was very forgiving of your impression. <laughs> Thank you. Um, the crazy thing is, we're just about to record the next one, aren't we? We are. We're going to talk to Ken Haas of Reverend Guitars. In about 10 minutes. 10 minutes. So we better stop this recording. Stop Save this. those files. Yes. And open yes. up a new file. And open up a new file because we just don't sleep, do we? No. Full on <laughs> rock and roll. Right. In which case, you'll hear from us. Well, in about a fortnight with... Well, you'll hear from us tomorrow with this. we hear from Jace. And then in a fortnight with Ken. Yeah. Cool. See you later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to 9 to 42, the podcast from the team at the Guitar Show UK. If you've enjoyed the show, then please remember to hit the subscribe button and share with other like-minded souls. For more information about 9to42, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram at The Guitar Show UK. This has been an A Short Stories production.